gentlemen, Jerry Petito. Welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Everyone who knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Because guys, 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. But through the grace of God, today, 30 years later, I can honestly say I am now a smartass. This book is out to help save lives. I am a nutritional health coach and I'm also a recovery coach. My services to you are free. If anyone needs to talk, please know you're not alone and reach out. Having said that, guys, I have another fellow author on the line with me. Tom Locke, say hello to everyone. Hi, everybody. So, you know, I just love your book, okay? Tell everyone the title of your book and a little bit about it. Moments in Time, stories from the 50s and 60s and 70s on artists and songs from that wonderful era. And I, I think it's point, really purposeful to point out, Jerry, that the book's not about me, but it's about the music we grew up with. Music that put a smile on your face and music that became part of who we are. In other words, our brand. So this is like the perfect platform, Remember Then Radio, to have you on based on your book. I mean, before we go anywhere, let me give a shout out first and foremost to the owners of RTR, Angel and Stevie. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. This platform is amazing, especially for all the artists from back in the day till present, but even authors like you. Um, I mean, everyone loves the info. You know who loves the info and the facts most? Kojak, and he's in the chat room. He's also a fellow DJ. He loves giving everybody the facts about every song. So he's going to have to check out your book. And, oh, he's also, I hooked you guys up. That's right. He, he just said in the chat room, you're his guest on Tuesday with surprise guests. Can't wait to see that. So. Oh, yeah. That, you're going to enjoy it. So, um. You know, you know, I want everybody out there to really know like how important this music is and all the trivia behind it. So, Tom, you know, what got you started first of all into into this? How old are you if you don't mind me asking? I'm I'm 71 years young. 71 years young. What got you into all this? Well, it's a great question and I have to relate it back to my grandfather, strangely enough. I was born and raised in Toronto and moved out here 37 years ago, out here being Vancouver, British Columbia. But in growing up, I go over to my grandfather's house, and he was in his early 70s at the time, and he sort of just, uh, I would call it, lost the will to 
to, to live. He, he couldn't, uh, his idea of enjoyment was putting himself under a car and changing the oil or re-cementing the basement. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, his favorite hockey team, had gone astray. He didn't, um, you know, follow that anymore. He had no hobbies. And I'm going, geez, i got to get a hobby. But I have to get a hobby that's something that's not physical, but something, and I'll be quite honest with you, would be an escape for me, something that puts me in a, a pleasure area or a zen area, as, as often said today. And that was music. And the reason being, my parents are very young when, when I was born, and I, by osmosis, I grew up with the songs and the changing times in the 50s. In fact, I probably knew every platter song by the time I was nine years old. It's amazing. You know, um, I want to... I wanted play a song. I'm going to play the first one because this is also one of my favorite songs and of course one of my favorite artists, Conway Twitty. I mean, who doesn't love Conway, right? Let's play this song and then we're going to talk about it. Lonely Blue Boy. Here we go. My name should be trouble. Should be woe for trouble and heartache is all that I know. Yes, lonely, lonely blue boy is my name. My life is in Twitty man who doesn't love him. Tell us what this song means to you. Well, I think it was important to put a song like this in, in the book because back in the late 50s, everybody was trying to sound like Elvis. In fact, uh, when he originally put out It's All in the Game, everybody thought that was Elvis under a pseudonym, and even more so when the Lonely Blue Boy came out. But uh, not, not the case at all. And I I, I have a very passionate feel for, for Conway because here's a guy who's very popular, 
switches over to the country music side and has 40 number one hits in the country charts, only surpassed now by George Strait. I mean, incredible, incredible performer. The other thing I like about him, his original name, by the way, is Harold Jenkins, but he was also a very top prospect for baseball, and uh, the Philadelphia Phillies were looking at him. And I think a lot of us in the music industry really are happy that he chose to, you know, take his path down the music side. Wow. So, you know what? I'm going to switch a a song here that we were going to play. I'm just switching them back to back because you mentioned Elvis. And, you know, first of all, Conway has his own unique, incredible sound. He's got to be like one of my top three. You know, Elvis, of course, is number one. I mean, Conway Twitty's amazing. And he does have that Elvis twang. And uh, Kojak saying he was a copycat. LOL. Ha ha. But you know what? Let's play the song Fabulous. Because then we'll, we'll talk about Elvis again with this song. So let's do that one first. Here we go. <laughs> has a really cool story and Elvis has something to do with this, huh? Yeah, well, he sure does. If uh, your, your listeners are out there probably, hey, geez, doesn't that sound like another song? Like, maybe Don't Be Cruel uh-huh. by Elvis? Uh, and it did. In fact, uh, Elvis's publishers uh, sued for uh, publishing rights in the song and, and won. And I think uh, it, it's uh, sort of diminished uh, Charlie Gracie's uh, career, he ended up uh, not getting promoted that uh, on Cameo down the line, and despite being very successful in touring in the 80s, 
and a lot of people really thought that this was a guy that should be recognized more as a pioneer in the in the early 50s um, moving forward with his music. Again, they very much sound like Elvis. I mean, imitations is the sincerest form of flattery. And guys like Charlie Gracie, Conway Twitty, uh, took that sound. And people loved it. They liked it. In fact, there's a, an album out about other people who sounded like Elvis who weren't uh, as successful in the charts. And if anybody, you know, there's an album called The Other Kings, phenomenal compilation of singers that sounded like Elvis in, in the late 50s. So I take my hat off them. And also, let's not forget that Charlie Gracie, that was his second hit. His first hit was a number one hit called Butterfly, which was also a number one hit for Andy Williams in the same year. It's amazing. See, Elvis Presley made impacts all over, even not just with his music, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just a very good point. That's so cool. Listen, I didn't know that, okay? I thought I knew a lot. I didn't know that, so I'm very happy about that. So now, now let's play The Five Satins to the Isle. Here we go, guys. First Ah. 
should talk about this this song. <laughs> I love when you say talk about. So let's talk about it. <laughs> well, this song is interesting. Like the, the the five sentence. I mean, in the still of the night, their first big release in '56 uh, was phenomenal. Still, you know, recognized as probably one of the top uh, street corner harmony and doo-wop records of all time. And that was written and lead sang by by Fred Paris. Interesting to the aisle is not Fred Paris singing the lead. It's another gentleman by the name of Bill Baker. And why was that? Well, Paris had to go into the army. So Bill Baker took it. And then when he came back, uh, Fred retook his position as, as the lead singer in the group. And, and those are, to me, some of the more interesting stories we don't see, you know, by looking at a 45 and, say, and saying, who, who sang this piece? Um, and that always intrigued me about, hey, what's the story behind this record? And how I positioned and wrote these pieces was thanks, strangely enough, to the great Paul Harvey, if you may remember him, what most people do. Sure. He a, uh, Chicago and a syndicated show. Yeah. And his one great piece he used to do all the time was called The Riff. Yes, of the story. his voice. His great cadence. So how my stories are written is a teaser on the front page, in the second page, all the stories are only two pages, and you get the rest of the story. And what's unique about this book, and any other book that I've seen in the, in the marketplace today, is at the conclusion of that, you go to the bottom of the second page, and there's a QR code. Use your smartphone camera, click on that, and you get instant gratification, because you can hear the song. That is so cool. You know, um, you just said something about stories. So why don't we play the story of my life next? Okay. All right. Let's do it. Here we go, guys. Someday I'm going to write the story of my life. I'll tell So the story of my life can start 
So tell us what this song means to you. This is a special song to you, isn't it? It is. I was always a big crossover country fan. And all the years in the 70s and that, everybody said, well, what crossover you know, country song do you like? And I always come back to this one. And this is one of my favorite songs of all time, the story of my life. I, I just think the, the lyrics and how it was put together, the composition, I think there's a lot of people that could hear those lyrics and conjure up their own moments in time. And I certainly have. I mean, we have to remember, songs are hooks people hang memories on. And this certainly is one for me. And what's most interesting to me was who wrote this. You know, we always come from a, a place, we've got to start somewhere, right? We start out in life, you know, who knows where it's going to go. But this song was written by a couple of, a dynamic duo, as I call them, who um, had wrote over 20 top 40 Billboard hits over a 10-year period for Dionne Warwick. Oh. And up, this is was their first real recognized hit on the charts for Burt Backrack and Hal David. Wow, I love this information. Kojak's loving it, okay? <laughs> so, you know what? We're, we're doing great on time. I do want to give my shout-outs. I want to thank everyone in the chat room, and I also especially want to thank today, more than ever, Babalu for being front and center because I needed my sound guy more than ever. We had a little bit of a tech issue in the very beginning. So Babalu was able to tell me, thank you, thank you, thank you, especially today. Okay. So I want to give a shout out to um, Stevie Dunham. So he his show is right after mine, guys, at 1 p.m. today. Do not miss it. And here's a little shout out from Stevie. Yo, this is the Don. If you want to listen to a hard-headed woman, then listen to the Jerry Petito Show. Cause the Don said so. There you have that one. So yes, at 1 p.m. today, right after mine, don't miss the show. Um, Stevie Dunham Show. Uh, SCE, Street Corner Entertainment. I also want to give a shout out to this silly guy here. Hi, this is Ken Kojak from the 60s Jukebox Review. You're listening to the Jerry Petito Show, my fellow calls on Remember Then Radio. His show is Tuesday nights at uh, 8 p.m. I do some shows also at, on Tuesday nights and I work, so it's hard. I might be able to be in the very beginning, the first half hour. Um... And he's also going to be interviewing you, which is going to be really cool. So I wanted to get that in. And we've got the doo-wop angel in the chat room. And, of course, she's one of the owners. Her and Stevie own RTR. And I gave them a huge shout-out. Her show is Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Stevie's show is Monday nights at 8 p.m. I hope I'm getting all this right. We've also got Danny P in the chat room and his show was on before mine today. I hope I have this right, guys, okay? So I just wanted to give everyone a shout out. Philly Joe's in the chat room and all your listeners, man, all over the world. You are a very, um, listen, everybody was going crazy when I put this ad out of yours. You're very popular. Everyone wants to read this book, so I think you're going to make a lot of sales. So... Yes. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Everybody's been calling me and, and messaging me about this. So they all are going to be sharing this show as well. And Phil Lord, he's in a chat room. Hello to him. So having said that, talk to me. How long did it take you to write this book? And when did you start writing this book? Uh, just about 35 years. 
And, and I say that because I, after being inspired by Paul Harvey's rest of the story, I thought, I was driving in my car one day, can you imagine having a little sound bite on the radio, you know, drive to work or driving home, where you get tantalized by a story, then they play a commercial, and then you get the rest of the story and hear the song, like a five-minute sound bite. And I tried, I did demos and everything, and I pushed them around. I went down to Nashville, saw my close friends down there, good chat about it, and they said, no. People don't want somebody one hour, two hour, three hour show. That's just the way it was, you know, in, in the mid '80s. So, uh, internet radio comes along. Uh, attention spans start to change at, with all demographics, and this uh, got picked up uh, on internet radio. And I've been writing these for 20 plus years now, five minute segment that goes on. I then got pushed by uh, listeners and close friends of mine. Saying, hey, Tom, you should put this in a book. You know, pick some and put them in a book because these are fascinating stories. I felt quite honored. And then COVID came along. And COVID challenges create opportunities. And it sure did for me because it allowed me to take the time and, Ethan, and repurpose my radio scripts into writings for uh, in, a, in a book format. Amazing. So... Let's play, and we're going to talk about this song too, because who doesn't know this? Oop Shoop. Here we go, guys. I love it. about it baby well okay if that song doesn't get you up and put a smile on your face i don't know what will i just love that whole piece and you know and it's really 
fascinating to me because that song came out in 1954, and it was uh, the first all-girl black R&B group that had success on the charts. 54 is probably my favorite year. It's one of the most eclectic years for music. You had, here you had Perry Como, Frank Sinatra, chairing the top spots in the charts with the crew cuts, and Bill Haley in the Comets. I mean, what a mixture. And then and Shirley's song comes along. Um, she was from Kansas City and, and did this uh, in Los Angeles. But she really inspired future girl groups like the Bobettes, the Marvelettes, Cookies, the Janets, and one of my favorite groups, the Chantels. Um, I would uh, definitely put this up as one of my favorite records that should be, I think, positioned more in the, the pioneering days of rock and roll. Amazing. And Kojak says, amazing book. You can't put it down. You just want to know the song artist he's writing about. And he's right. So amazing book. So now we have a couple more songs. So let's play Joan Jett, man. I love rock and roll. Here we go.
tell us what this song means to you. Well, I think it's an interesting example of uh, an answer song that went to number one. Um, you may or may not recall, in the late 50s, early 60s, we were a lot uh, of times introduced to answer records. We're often parody or sequels songs that were established. Like, for example, uh, Jeannie Black had He'll Have to Stay in 1960, which was an answer record to Jim Reeves' smash it, uh, He'll Have to Go. Jody Miller in 65 did Queen of the House, answer record to Roger Miller's signature song, King of the Road. And Leslie Gore in 63 did Judy's Turn to Cry, which is the follow-up record to her hit, It's My Party. Now, how does this rate the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts? Well, a song that went to number one, by the way, in 1982. They were not the original artists of the song. The original song was actually done by a group called The Arrows in 1975. And it was an answer set song to the Rolling Stones record, It's Only Rock and Roll, But I Like It. And they turn around and say, well, I like rock and roll. Thanks to Joan Jett's determination, um, she uh, had originally heard the song while she was uh, in the group The Runaways, she kept pushing and got a chance to get this played. Uh, on the radio, uh, it wasn't punk enough, and on the other side, it was too hard rock, so she was caught in between, between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> so, in the bun, but she started promoting it uh, in all her shows. She would open all her concerts with that s- song, so much so that she got you know, associated with it, and then the, re- the radio station started to play with it. So it's a great story, but there's a, to me, I think the epitome of the, I call, uh, the, the greatest uh, answer record of all time. Amazing. All right. I love the way you describe everything. Okay, that was awesome. So now let's play I'm So Happy. Lewis Lyman, baby.
tell us about this song. Well, I brought this up, this particular song I wanted to share with you guys tonight because to me, Street Corner Harmony, I was very passionate about. Remember, I, I grew up in Toronto, so the Toronto New York connection, the Northeastern states, and, and all that type of um, four part harmony singing really was part of me. In fact, I even belong to some of your, your people out there. They remember United uh, Group Harmony Association, which was run by Tony uh, Italiano, and, and uh, I was a, a member of that uh, for, for a number of years. I, I really, really enjoyed that, that whole setup. So when you, you get into this music, and there's a number, a number of records, very regional hits in northeastern United States that just didn't make it, you know, across the way. Not everybody had a Tom Parker like Elvis Presley had, okay? You have to remember that, too. So word of mouth, radio stations, DJs flipping over, a break here and there, and bingo. And so a guy like Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers really set the bar for other groups. And and they, if you, know, if you had that high tenor voice, it just seemed to cap, capture people. A, a good example is the Capris who did There's a Moon Out Tonight. And so here comes along his youngest brother. You hear the song, Lewis Lyman, and the T-Boards, very talented, very talented uh, singer. They do well regionally, had a good run on, on furry records, but never got that national claim. And who knows why? Sometimes timing's a wonderful thing, and being in the right place at the right time and some strong promotion can really can really help. And not all, all got Wow, beautiful. Um, okay, so another shout-out. Big Doggy's in the chat room. Karen's in the chat room. Just want to say hello to them. Um, Stevie D just said he did a lot of business with Ronnie I, and he was also a member of the UGHA. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, Ronnie I. Oh, good. And, and, and Ronnie I is a great guy. I still have... Uh, he produced... Ronnie I produced uh, cards of uh, artists, about 100 of them. I have the whole set. Um, oh, cool. And he, yeah, no, he produced great trading cards, and they're great moments in time just to flip through that book. Oh, very cool. So now I'm going to, before we play your last song, now's your opportunity to please tell everyone everything you want them to know, how to reach out to you, how to get your book, any last words. Okay, well, thank you very much. So first and foremost, uh, the my website is simply... It's about moments in time. My, my website is simply mitstories.com. mitstories.com. If you want to see the the story and how the came to be. Now, uh, for I really push people buying on Amazon worldwide because today shipping across borders and that is a challenge wherever you go, and you don't want to be employed in. You know, with Christmas, you know, coming on and the holiday season and, you know, Thanksgiving down there in the States. Uh, to find it on Amazon very simply is go to Amazon, go in the search box, and t- just put in Tom Locke Moments in Time, and it'll come right up, and you can read the number of reviews that are on there already. Uh, I think, like you, Jerry, I'm very thankful. It, it takes a village, you know, to get something out like this, and my support from my fellow uh, people in the film and entertainment business, um, my sports colleagues and my fraternity buddies, and they know who they are, 
uh, and, and listeners and people who have uh, pushed me to put this out, I'm greatly appreciative of. And I, I also, a uh, little shout out to you, Jerry, and because I think your, your motivation and where you're going is very key to my new mantra, thanks to my mentor and good friend, Norman Knight. And that is simply this, aspire to inspire before I expire. I love that. I love Norman. And I think he connected us, I believe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Totally true. Yes. He sent me totally a message true. and said, would you like to interview? Yes. So we love Norman Knight. Yes. Um, but I want to thank you. Uh, first and foremost, of course, for being my incredible guest, for honoring me here today. Um, Mikey the Baron joined us, like I said, Big Doggy. So you've got a lot of listeners, a lot of fans. Guys, check out his book. Give him an incredible review. I know I did. Um, it's off the charts, absolutely off the charts. So having said that, I want to thank all my listeners. I want to thank everybody out there. Please share the show. And again, Tom, I want to thank you. What an incredible, incredible story you told today through this music. We're going to play Angel Baby, but we're going to close with that. That's one of the most beautiful songs as well. But tell everyone what this song means, and then we're going to close playing it. Well, I think it's the rest of the story for me on this one. Uh... Rosie Hamlin, it's not a, a name everybody knows, Rosalie Hamlin, um, but she certainly was well known as Rosie. Uh, and, and in the summer of 1960, did a, a song with her group called The Originals. And actually came from a poem that she wrote and was able to put to music. A poem and a song that inspired, strangely enough, the legendary Don Lennon, who wow. produced a version. Uh, put out by Phil Spector with him in the 70s, released posthumously in, I think, about 1986. Lennon's voice can be heard saying this, and I'm going to quote this. This is one of my all-time favorite songs. My love to Rosie, wherever she may be. I guess you could say that Rosie was John Lennon's angel baby. It's <gasps> amazing. I love it. So again, everybody, we're going to close with Angel Baby, but stay tuned because right after my show at 1 p.m., Stevie Dunham, Street Corner Entertainment, his show, you do not want to miss it. So again, thank you to everybody out there. Thank you to everyone in the chat room. And Tom, thank you to you. Let's close now with Angel Baby. Here we go.
Petito. What to do? Just what to do. Just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. 